God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. How many realize that living here in Salem, that we live in the Willamette Valley? Okay, I guess everyone here knows that. We live in the Willamette Valley, and as such, we're nestled nicely between two mountain ranges. And because of that, the valley provides pretty much great agriculture and fairly mild temperatures. You know, we don't have those really, like, you know, single-digit temperatures too much. Not once in a blue moon, once in a great while. But for most case, living in the valley here, the temperature is pretty mild, fairly mild. And as you know, it's like great agriculture and growing and things like that. So that's a good thing. From a physical perspective, living in a valley, valley can be a very, very pleasant thing. But today, this message is not about physical valleys but it's about spiritual valley, valleys. And from time to time, we all find ourselves in spiritual valleys. Okay? Now, if you look at it, you know what a valley looks like. You've got two mountains on either side, and the valley is like the floor of the area, if you will, and the mountain top, and then you've got down on the floor is where the valley is. So from time to time, all of us get into spiritual valleys. But spiritual valleys are not as pleasant as the physical valley that I was just talking about. Living in mild temperatures can be very nice, but when you're in a spiritual valley, things don't seem to be that great for you. As an example of a physical, a physical valley could be if you're in a state of depression, if you're really worried about something, if there's been disappointments in your life, uh, if there's sickness that's there, if there's lack, lack of finances, that could be a spiritual valley for you. If you're feeling like we're not where God wants us to be, that could be a spiritual valley for you. Anything that has you feeling down is something where you are in a spiritual valley. Spiritual valleys can often hit us after being on the mountaintop of success or a great spiritual victory. You've seen times after you've had a recent promotion or after you've been blessed with a large sum of money, let's say, or you get that income tax check in and it's a big blessing that way and you're on, you're on the mountaintops and you, 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 or you've achieved something that you really, really have been praying for. Things are going good. You're up there on the mountaintop, but then all of a sudden something happens and boom, you wind up being down in a spiritual valley. And all of us are there from time to time because such is, or such is, is the pendulum of life. The pendulum of life always swings back and forth, back and forth. And it has its times where you're at your high and you have a time when all of a sudden you're at a low point. But with God, we don't have to worry about that. We as Christians don't have to stay in our valleys. God has made promises and he will see you through that. God has made promises to you about victory and about achieving and succeeding and and, and having the things that you want out of life. So remember that if you're down, in, if and when you're down in a spiritual valley. Let's go to the Word of God to see what the Word of God says about it. Let's go to Psalm, the book of Psalms. Good old 23rd Psalm. Okay. All of us are praying for things, great and small. And things in life sometimes are really, really booming and you're feeling so good about it. And then all of a sudden something comes along where you're in a spiritual valley. You know, I talked about before about how, you know, it seems like at some points in time, like all you're doing is spending money. 
get one thing repaired and then something else breaks down. I know we had that one time. Had washing machine repaired and all of a sudden the refrigerator broke down. I mean, goodness gracious, it seems like it just, sometimes it keeps on coming. It seems like it just keeps on coming like that ever-ready battery, battery commercial or whatever that is. It doesn't stop. When you have that kind of thing going on, you're in a spiritual valley and you need to realize that. You need to realize it, okay? And then what do you do about it, okay? One thing about me, if I'm in a spiritual valley, I am not content or I don't resign myself to just staying in that valley and just staying um, in a state of, of depression or worry or whatever like that. I'm going to get back to the mountaintop where God would want us to be. So looking at the 23rd Psalm, starting with verse number 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, so when you're in that valley, first of all, think about the Lord. The Lord being Jesus here is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, and a shepherd is someone who cares for his sheep. And it says that I shall not want. So that means that if God is your shepherd, then there's nothing that you should want for. There's nothing at all you should want for because God is your shepherd. All right? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, waters being stilled means that everything is calm in your life. Everything is going smoothly. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, restoring your soul. That means that if your soul is, is, is quote-unquote, damaged, so to speak, because of things that's going on in your life, you know, and, and your soul actually here is, is um, uh, the seat of your emotions. Okay, we are, we are spirit, spirit, mind, and body. Amen. The mind is indeed the soul. And so God can restore your soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Please underline valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Underline, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Underline that too. So yea, though, even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow, of death. So, so relative to us in modern day times, that valley that I was just talking about when I started out here is that point in time, or could be <clears throat> that point in time when you're, you're in a state of depression or you're really worried about something or there's something that is not going right in your life. You, you know, um, um, you're praying for something to come around and it just seems like you just can't make that forward step, make that forward step. And, 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 and that valley of your life at that particular time, it says, it says that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So even though something is not going right in your life and you feel like you're just kind of stuck and nothing is going right, remember that, you should not fear any evil. God is not going to let anything, anything happen to you. Amen? The devil in the meantime is just heaping, when you're in those valleys, the devil is heaping all sorts of doubts in your mind. He's heaping and adding worries into your mind. You see, you're not achieving this. You're not doing this. Next thing you know, you're not going to be able to pay this bill. You're not going to be able to make the mortgage. You're not going to be able to pay the rent. And all of these worries just keep coming up. And, and, and that is death in itself. The devil's trying to kill your spirit. The devil's trying to kill your faith in God. So while you're in that valley, just remember here that, that while you're walking through it, you're not going to fear these lies that the devil tries to sow into your mind. Those lies come into your mind, you say, in the name of Jesus. First of all, I rebuke you, spirit of fear, in the name of Jesus, because my Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I rebuke you, spirit of anxiety. I'm not going to worry about this situation because I know that my God is here with me. 
In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, spirit of worry. I'm not going to carry this worry, and I'm not going to carry this burden or this care. And you say, because I do not care because I cast my cares upon God because he cares for me. That's what the scripture says. When you say, I do not care, it doesn't mean I don't care what's happening. No, it means I'm not going to carry the burden. I'm not going to carry this care. I'm going to cast that care upon God, as the scripture says, because my God cares for me. So even though you're walking through this valley, things around you are not going right, things are not going the way you're praying for, you're not going to fear evil. Because fearing evil is you saying, okay, because I'm not achieving this, then this is going to happen. Because I'm not achieving or have not achieved that, then that is going to happen. So we are already thinking and extrapolating forward what is going to further happen happen just because I'm in this valley. Just because things are not going right. Amen? Amen. I mean, God can do the most challenging, the most, just, just miracles before your eyes. And, and, and God can set people in places at the right time to just make things just happen. I remember my daughter and I were looking for her first car. And we saw a particular car, and I'm sure she can remember this, and probably remembers the details even better than I, but the first car that we looked at, it looked decent, and we got there to the, to the uh, dealer to look at it, and oh my God, was it a wreck. I mean, this thing had holes in the seat, and the guy said, go on, sit in it. We looked at it, oh, we don't want to sit on that seat. You know, I mean, it was, it was filthy. It was just, just horrible. I think it had a crack in the windshield, I think. I mean, it, it was in, in bad shape. But because of the fact that we happened to be in that particular place, there was another, one of the salesmen that was there um, told us about the other dealership I think we wound up going to. We went to another dealership and, and, and met the manager that was there, and he wound up giving my daughter a break on a car that was unbelievably, you know, I mean, affordable. And we got the then we found out that really he should have charged more than he did for the car. He found out later on that he made an error and he should have charged us more, but he didn't didn't pull back the offer. So we wound up getting the car for a song and a dance, and it all started because we simply stepped out in faith. Stepped out in faith. And looking at that first car, we didn't say, Oh gosh, we're in the valley, we're gonna be stuck here. We kept having faith in following God's lead, and God led one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. And she had that car, I forget for how many years now, was faithful and so on, until she finally decided to trade it in and move up, you see, and move up to a, to a nicer and a newer car. But I'm saying that to say that when you're in a point in life and things don't look like they're going right, remember that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. We didn't freak out. We didn't just give up and say, okay, let's just go back home and just, just turn in. And, you know, and, and gee, was, you know, we don't drink, but all of a sudden, let's go get a six-pack because we're just so torn up and whipped out because things did not work out. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, okay. We did not give up. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see? And that kind of taught her at an age, and it further, just further enforced in me as being somewhat older, not much, but somewhat older, that you see, God still works this way. God still works this way. All you got to do is not get discouraged and trust God. And look at the little things, how he will lead you from one place to the other. You see, we had no idea when we first started up that we were going to wind up at, 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 at that point in time. We had no way of knowing. But we went out went forth trusting God. You see? And these things in life you will find happening if you will just trust them. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, uh, for thou art with me. Remember that God is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now I'm dwelling here for a little bit because I feel maybe I need to here, but the rod and my staff, they comfort me. 
The rod and the staff in scripture is often in reference to Jesus Christ. He's the staff of life you'll read in scripture. Okay? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So when you're in that valley and things are not going right in your life, you've got to really remember and really believe that Jesus is with you. You see? Now, you may think that this is some theoretical or some theological talk, but if you don't believe that concept, first of all, then you're going to always be in a valley. You're going to always feel depressed. You're going to always be worrying about things that for right now don't seem to be working out the way you want to work. Okay? And, again, and you've got to remember, okay, that God does things in His time, not in our time. All right? Okay? So the most challenging thing for us is if we are in a valley, is to how do we get through that valley? It says that, that, that the, um, uh, you are with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, that while I'm in that valley, that God's going to bring me comfort. That God will get me through whatever I have to do to get out of this valley. That valley might, be, might end today, it might end tomorrow, it might be next month, it might be next year, I don't know. Because you don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. You don't know. Okay? I can tell you countless times, we don't have enough time here for the message where I can tell you times in my life where God was working on things behind the scenes and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. Talking about valleys, and some of you may remember there was a particular management position I was, was trying out for. This was many years back, man. I'm, oh, gee, 25 years back. And that position I was trying out for, and boy, boy, I felt good about getting the position. I showed up one day to work, and the manager's office was over there, and it was empty and so forth. And I came into work this one day, and my competitor, this other guy who was trying for the job, was sitting in the office. Bang! My stomach just dropped. Oh boy, he must have been given the job. Boy, it just, it just dropped. Long story short, I just continued praying and so forth, and it turned out that he had asked the senior manager in the place if he could use the, uh, the office to make a phone call, and that's why he was in there, simply making a phone call. But when I saw him in there, I knew, boom, he got the job. I just knew it. And my heart dropped. Amen? But I continued to go back in prayer, back in prayer, back in prayer, and trusting. And it turned out, I found out much later on, that God had to get some other things in place before he could move me into that spot. And so I wound up getting that position. But I'm just saying to you, though, that took time. Alrighty? And while that initial um, vision of him sitting there just deep into my valley, I mean, I, it, it was bottomless pit almost, amen, that you, you just keep on having faith and knowing that God is with you. Okay? And I just went back to prayer and said, Lord, please, you know, what's going on here? I really want that position, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And God gave me the comfort because what I heard in my spirit, through his spirit, was how much do you trust me? Simple as that. How much do you trust me? Okay? And that's something you have to ask yourself. And only you can answer that. I can stand up here and talk to you till I'm blue in the face, but the bottom line is how much do you trust God? Regardless of what's going on in your life right now, regardless of what you're trying to do, whatever it is they're trying to do to get out of this valley, and it does not seem at the time, it does not seem to be working, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Okay? Okay? And while you're struggling through this valley, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, okay, are you eating? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Are you drinking water whenever you want it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you have a roof over your head? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you have family and friends and loved ones? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is anything in your life that you really, really need, is it missing? Even though right now maybe you're feeling like you're in a valley? 
Are you in the middle of Bangladesh? Are you in somewhere in Syria? Are you dodging bombs and, 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 and all sorts of other explosives? Do you have enemy in combatant fire shooting, shooting at you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What about being grateful and think about what you do have? About how God is sustaining you right now. Okay? He will lead me beside the still waters. That means that there won't be this turbulence that is in my life right now because I'm feeling like I'm in a valley. And you've heard the expression, oh boy, how you doing today? Oh man, I'm struggling, just keeping my head above, above water. Oh, I'm just struggling, trying to keep my head above water, you know. Now those are turbulent waters, you know. And many times life can be full of turbulence, okay. But God says though that I will lead you beside the, the still waters. So that means that those turbulent times in your life right now that seem so turbulent to you, God's going to take you to where those waters in your life are still. Okay? Okay? And I just hear these words to say to you. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. So whatever's going on in your life right now that's troubling you or that you're struggling with, being led to say to you that this too shall pass. God's going to bring you through. But you've got to stop feeling like this valley is just a valley, a pit that's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So if Jesus Christ is really your Lord and Savior, if you really believe that God is who he says he is in your life, then you've got to believe and understand that you shall not want. Okay? Now, right now, maybe you don't have what it is that you're praying for, but God is saying you shall not want. Okay? And that he's your shepherd. He's going to keep on leading you. Okay? I will fear the evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So even when you've got people and circumstances coming against you, God's preparing a table. Preparing a table, if you think of, you know, you're going to be able to sit down and just enjoy yourself eating. Eating a sumptuous, sumptuous meal. God is preparing something for you. Even in face of, of your enemies or whatever opposition you may be getting, you, you may be feeling whether it, those enemies are physical human being enemies or whether they are enemy, enemies of spiritual darkness that's coming against you. God's going to prepare a table for you. God is preparing a table. You see? See, see the whole thing is when we get in our spiritual valleys, we can't even see back to the mountaintop. See? And you forget when you were on that mountaintop, when you got blessed by that house or by that promotion or by that car, you were on that mountaintop, you didn't even think to look down at the valley. You see? You just kind of go along, high and mighty, high and mighty, and you forget. You see? But then all of a sudden, circumstances in life sometimes change and you're thrust back into the valley, but you, you can't let yourself stay there. You've got to remember that God is not going to let you stay there. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Thou anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That means that your life is full. Your life, your life is full. Okay? And God has given you an anointing. He's given you an anointing. Holy Spirit, you should ask, Lord, give me a fresh anointing today. Hour by hour, moment by moment. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you believe that? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me 
Or are you one of those kind of people that feel like, oh man, goodness and mercy can fall. And I look behind me and all I see is a bunch of people trying to take my money from me. The bill's coming in. Everybody, that's what's following me. What about goodness and mercy? Based on what the word of God is saying. Surely goodness and mercy shall fall in all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you read the 23rd Psalm and right there there's a whole lot of promises where God is telling you that he's there. He's there for you. You know, that, that, that this valley that you feel like you're in right now, you just have to remember that, that, that God is there with you. And, and that, that if he's your shepherd, he's going to provide all you need. You know what a shepherd does? I mean, not many of us here are from farming communities, farming societies. I'm sure you've seen enough on television or in books to see what a shepherd does with his sheep. He cares for them. The sheep are rather kind of mindless. They just kind of drift along, la-di-da, la-di-da, la-di-da. And the shepherd is there keeping away wolves and other animals that would kill them and eat them off. Eat them up. The shepherd leads them to where the grass is and so forth to eat. If you want to let Jesus be your shepherd, then you just have to do that. You know? The difference between being a shepherd and a goat is a goat is stubborn. And the Word of God talks about that too. The goat is stubborn. The goat always wants to do things his particular way. A goat butts his head up against the wall. Too dumb to realize it ain't doing anything. You see? But a sheep follows. And in this essence, that's what we have to be as children of God. Are you really willing to follow Jesus and not let yourself um, feel like you're just in this valley and there's no hope of escape? Amen? Amen? See what Isaiah says about this. Go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 42. Praise the living God. I'm sorry, 43. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. We can't stay and let ourselves stay in these spiritual valleys. There's a way for us to remember who we are so that we can get out of them. And never think that just because, you know, you, you, you've been born again for so many years, you know, or you're really, uh, you know, you're really an avid believer in all of that. Don't, don't think that you will never be at a point in life where you, you, you wind up, you know, having a valley or falling into a valley because it does happen. It's called the vicissitudes of life. Jesus said when you have tribulation. He didn't say if, he said when. So that means that we can expect to have things in our lives that are, um, throw a monkey wrench into the situation, so to speak. Isaiah 43, verse number 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee, I have, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Please underline, thou art mine. First of all, you are God's. Okay? And remember also, just like he said there to Jacob, um, uh, thus saith the Lord that created thee, remember that God created you, that he formed you to fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Okay? You belong to God. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Underline, please. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. 
and through the rivers. They shall not overflow thee. Underline. They shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire. Underline. Thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Okay? So again, the waters here is referring to the things of life. So God is saying there that when you pass through the waters, he will be with you. And through the rivers, they, they shall not overflow you. So that's what that means. <clears throat> if the waters are the, 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 the trying things in life, God is saying that he will be with you. And those waters shall not overtake you. They shall not overflow you. You, you shall not drown by those things in your life that right now may be challenging you. Those things in life that right now might be giving you a hard time. Or those things in life right now that may have you in a valley. God is saying that you shall not be overtaken by that. You shall not. Okay? The waters of life you shall not just simply drown by. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The fires of life can also be, be, be likened to the difficulty, challenges in your life. The fire is not going to burn you. Those challenges in life are not going to, to, to consume you. You know, and the Lord knows when you've got something difficult going on in your life, when there's something that you're praying for, something that you're trying for, and it just doesn't, you know, you can almost feel, you feel almost, you're so deep in that valley that you feel consumed by this thing that you're trying to accomplish. You feel like it's a practice in futility, okay? But God is saying that that fire is not going to consume you, you see? See? Now, we can choose... To not believe what the word of God says. And by us choosing to still have our own opinion of what's happening in my life, in my own thoughts. That you do become consumed. You become consumed with worry. You can become consumed with fear. You can become consumed with defeat. Because all you're doing is dwelling, 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 dwelling on what is in your valley at that particular point in time and what is not happening. Okay? But God is saying here, and if you believe it, that he's with you. So when you're in that valley and and that fire is upon you, that you're not going to be burned. Amen? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into the fiery furnace? The fire didn't even touch them. They came out and said, the Lord of God says, not one eyebrow or hair on the head was singed. So you've got to remember that while you're in this valley and you're getting out, remember that God is there with you. God is there with you. He's not going to just leave you there and that he's doing something. Verse number 3 says, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy name, for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Saba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. Please in the line. Fear not, for I am with me. See? And that is one of the things that is so, seems to be so hard for us Christians to really understand that God is with you. You know? And I think many of us think that because we don't physically see God, that we don't believe or, or remember that God is with us. You see? You see? And that again goes back to, to faith. It goes back to you having faith in the fact that if God says that he's with you, that he's with you. You see? You say, well, how do you know, Pastor, that God is with you? You can't see him yet. How do you know that? Because it, it, his word said that he is. And because God's word says that he is, I believe that he is. And I have faith that he is with me. Well, how do you explain that? That's the whole thing about faith. There's not a lot of, lot of explanation about faith. 
It simply is that the word of God says this, and I believe it, and by faith I believe that what God is saying in his word, that it's true. Okay? If you could, and, and see, and that's the whole problem with um, the secular world, with the non-believer, the unbelievers, because they can't measure it. They can't weigh it. They can't quantify it. So therefore they think all of a sudden that, oh, this is a bunch with the Bible, this is a bunch of poppycock, because it's, it's not true, it's not so. Well, it's by faith, and that's what separates us from the unbeliever. This valley that you're in, this thing that you're struggling with, you've got to believe through faith that God is with you, and that he's going to bring you out of it and bring you through it. For I fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back, bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Please highlight and put a bracket on all of verse number 7. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him. Do you believe that God created you? I have created him for my glory. You've been created for God's glory. So if you stop and think that if God has been, I've been created for God's glory, then that means then that I'm supposed to be glorified through God. And how can I glorify God if I am in the depths of some valley, having a major pity party 24-7, and if I'm not doing anything to trust God and believe so that I can come up out of that valley? Amen? 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 So we are here to glorify God through us and by, and by, uh, by our actions. It goes on to say here, um, uh, From everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Please underline all of that. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Now, if God is saying that, then he's really saying something there because he's saying, bring forth the blind people that have eyes. So what does that mean? They have eyes, but they do not see. So there's something here beyond um, uh, 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 the physical vision um, that we have. Bring forth the, the deaf that have ears. People have ears, but for some reason they're deaf. They're not hearing. Okay? So there are things about God that go beyond the common physical sight. There are things about God that go beyond the physical concept of hearing, just because you have ears, is hearing and understanding and believing what God is saying to you. Amen? Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. And I've talked about this before. We all have known people where you'd be talking to them about things of God, and what you start saying goes right over their head. They have the faintest idea what you're talking about. Because they're spiritually blind or spiritually deaf. Verse number 12 says, I have declared and have saved and have showed um, when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who shall let it? So underline there in verse number 13, before the day was, I was he. Let me just, before the beginning. Before there was light, God was. Amen? God has no beginning. He was. He predates everything and anything. Before the day was, I, I, uh, was, I am He. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Okay? None. None that can take you out of God's hand. There is none that can deliver, deliver out of my hand. I will work. On the line, I will work. And who shall let it? 
Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have said to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Underline all of that, please. I am the Lord, your Holy One. Do you believe that God is your Holy One? You have to stop and ask, ask yourself that question. Do you believe that God is your Holy One? Amen? You see? And these scriptures that I'm asking you to overline, underline here and whatnot, when you start feeling down in your depths, down in, in the dumps, like you're in your valley, this is why we underline things in our Bible, so you can go back when you're reading these Bibles and you see these scriptures underlined, and you can be reminded what God has said, reminded that those words apply to you. The problem is if you don't believe that they apply to you and that you, know you have no need to, to, to remember it, then don't worry about it. Don't underline it. Don't do anything else with it. See? But we wind up struggling. We wind up struggling. We wind up struggling. And the reason that we have these scriptures here is because just like studying anything else when you're in school, you want to bring something back to memory, you want to annotate it in a fashion that you can discover it, rediscover it again when you're reading. Amen? I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. You feel like you're drowning, God's going to make a way. 17. Which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the, uh, and the power. They shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched. They are quenched as, uh, as tow. Remember you not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Please underline or highlight all of that. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. So don't worry about what it was before. Don't worry about what happened last year, five months ago, five years ago. So many times the devil keeps us all down in the dumps because the devil keeps bringing back to memory something that happened to us before where we were not so successful. Or that someone did to us, something that someone did to us or said to us. Or something that maybe you did. Remember not the things of old. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, I will do a new thing. Underline, please. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Please underline or highlight all of verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. If you've got something going on in your life right now that you're praying for, that you're struggling with, that you're wrestling with, there's some, some anxiety, there's something, something that's not happening in your life, don't look back on the past. Don't look back at before whatever failures you may have had or the way things went poorly before you. God is saying here that I'm going to do a new thing. All right? And I'm saying to you today that if you came to church this morning expecting that God was going to speak to your heart, and expecting that something in your life was going to change. If you came to church with that expectation, and I submit to you that's what we should be thinking about and praying about every single Sunday. I think Brother Brandon also touched on this last time he preached also. That we, every Sunday when we get it, we should be praying to come to church and that God's going to speak to me today. God's going to talk to my heart. God's going to show me something that I really need to hear. God's going to show me a way out. That I'm just simply not going to church to hear somebody stand up there for 45 minutes or so and just talk. That there's going to be something that God is going to say that's going to minister to my heart. That you have this expectation that's there. Okay? And if you have that expectation, and the word of God that's being written, read here to you today, is that it says that, Behold, I will do a new thing. 
So whatever's going on in your life that here until now where, where you feel like you're in this valley and things are not going and you're, you're really understanding now more what this valley is, that God is saying to you today, today that he's going to do a new thing. All right? Now, the fact of the matter is that deep down inside, because God looks at your heart, is whether or not you believe that or not. Whether you believe it or not. You can say, yeah, those are words we read them from this, from this book here. Yeah, it says God's going to do a new thing. But whether or not you really believe walking out here today, that starting this afternoon, God's working on something that's going to be new for me. Come Monday morning, this thing is going to be in, in action. All right? Now, whether or not you see it on Monday morning uh, doesn't mean a hill of beans. You just got to believe that God is doing a new thing. You got to believe that if you're struggling for something, if you're struggling with something, God knows you're struggling. God knows you're struggling. And if there's something that you're praying for and that you're working towards and that you're hoping for, God knows that you're doing it. The thing is that we have to make sure that we're doing what God expects of us. And the biggest thing there is to have faith. To have faith. And to do what God tells us to do. You know, you will never find a job. You heard me say, finding a job and the guy goes out on the park bench and he's feeding pigeons. He's expecting God to come blessing him with something and he's, all he's doing is feeding pigeons. No, 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 no. You've got to take some action. There's some things that you need to do. So you need to ask God, God, you know, I'm, I want to get out of this valley. And God, I know that you're going to do this new thing. And I'm waiting for this new thing, oh Lord God. Is there anything in the meantime that I need to do? Any mid-course corrections that I need to make? Am I missing something? Is there something going You see, God, God's commandments apply to all of us. And we need to make sure that we're in line with His commandments and His word. Okay? God's commandments even apply. Now listen to this. God's commandments even apply to those who don't believe in Him. Alright? God's commandments apply to even those who, 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 who are, are, are unbelievers. Or antichrist. Those commandments still apply to those people that are non-believers. You don't believe in gravity? I don't believe in gravity. Go step off the roof of this building. Is it going to change anything? I guarantee you hit through the ground the same way as, as anyone who does believe in gravity. So just because you don't believe in God doesn't mean that his commandments don't apply to your life. The problem is that these people are just refusing to accept it. Okay? So if God's commandments apply to us, whether we believe it or not, then we as believers should certainly be looking for to make sure that we are in line with God's commandments. Now, God is saying that I'm going to do a new thing. One of the things God requires us to do is to have faith. To have faith in Him. Now, if you can't have faith that God is indeed doing a new thing, you know, and you, you're expecting that, now don't go saying, don't go leaving here thinking, oh, oh, I just read now, God's doing a new thing. Come six o'clock Monday morning when I get up, boom, this thing is going to just, that I've been praying for, hoping for, is all of a sudden going to be taken care of. It may or it may not be. It doesn't mean that God isn't doing a new thing. We look for everything that we're praying for God to do for us. We look for it to happen in our time. God doesn't work like that. For the, in the first place, I mean, you know, gee whiz, you know, the, the, the essence of faith is by us going through life and keeping faith in God regardless of what we see. What does the scripture say? We walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, well, I still got the same job, I still got the same baggy, raggedy car, I still got the leaky house, I still got this, I still got that, I still got holes in my shoes. Well, God said he's going to do a new thing. 
Look, look at your shoes, Nick. You know, everybody's looking at your shoes. Those holes. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 God's going to do a new thing. You got to believe in that. You got to believe. You got to keep that down in your spirit. He goes on to say that uh, um, uh, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Verse 20. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people. God's going to make rivers in the desert. Now, you know what that's? That's a picture of. You know what a desert is? A desert is a dry place. God is saying he's going to make rivers there for us. So that means that the dry place that is in your life, he's going to bring sustenance. He's going to bring refreshment. Rivers, water, you know. It's interesting that waters is also a symbol of Holy Spirit. Amen. But the, 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 the part of your life that right now might seem like you're in this valley, that things are not working, that things are just, just so dry. God's going to bring sustenance and waters to those places in your life. Rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. You have to believe that you're one of God's chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Underline, they shall show forth my praise. The other thing there is praising God. How many of us really, really know how to praise God? How many of us really know how to just surrender to God? And just love Him and thank Him for all that He is, all that He has done. Verse 22, But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. Thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Are you calling upon God? Are you really calling upon God? But have been, been weary of me, Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings. Neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have, not, I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. He's talking about you haven't, you haven't brought your offerings. He's talking about offerings again. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings. Neither hast thou, thou honored me with thy sacrifices. Verse 24. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money. Neither hast thou filled, filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. In other words, you're not honoring me. You're not bringing offerings to me. But yes, will you go through life doing the things that you do do. You're not, you're not, you're not honoring, you're not bringing sacrifices to me. But yes, will you weary me with the sins, with the things of your life that you're doing against me. Amen? Amen? Verse 25. I, even I, am he that blots out the transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. So God is saying that he's blotting out those things from his memory. Okay? For, for his own sake, he does not even want to remember them. He will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father has sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Thy first father has sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore, I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. And then a few verses of 44 in closing down here. It says that, Yet now hear, O Israel, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jezurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour upon him that is thirsty 
or pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and thy blessing upon thine offering. Alright, so pause there for a moment. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. How thirsty are you for the things of God? How thirsty are you? You know? If you really want to know the things of God, and, and when you think of thirsty, you're talking about something that you, you just, you can't do without. When you're thirsty for water, you know, you can try soda, coffee, tea, whatever it is, milk or whatever, and it just makes the thirst worse. It does not quench you. And I say to you today that anyone that is in a valley, you've got some valleys in your life there, that it's time for you to start being thirsty for God. Stop trying to fill God, the need for God, with other things in your life. Be they material things, be they people, or whatever it is that you might be. You've got to become thirsty for God. Okay, And being, being thirsty for God means seriously getting into his word. I don't know how many people have eight hours to, to spend reading the Bible, but my gosh, you know, here you are, you know, when you stop and think about it, here you are in this valley and you're praying for something from God. You're banging your head against the wall and you're hoping and you're praying. And yet still, you can't take 10, 15 minutes out of 24 hours to read his word. You can't take some time to, 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 to tell him how much you love him, to bring sacrifices to him. And obviously I'm not talking about animals, or, I mean, or, or, or I'm not talking about in your house where you're constantly... But how about sacrificial prayer? When you don't even have time. <coughs> Excuse me. How about just, just, just saying, gee whiz, I don't have... But I'm going to sacrifice time watching that TV show. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to sacrifice that time doing this, that, or the other. I'm going to just sacrifice some time for God. I have no time for God. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Yes, so you're praying and you're in this valley. Careful, but in water. And, and I'm in this valley. And I'm just going through all of this. But yes, still, I have no time. I have no time. Thank you. <clears throat> So what is it that you want to do? God says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Floods upon the dry ground. And pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessings upon thine offspring. <coughs> and you think about your children. Those who have children even. What about, what about you obeying God's word so that his blessings will also be upon them? And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water's courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of, of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. <clears throat> so if you have anything else in your life that is replacing God, and think about the things in your life that could be doing that. I love my Star Trek and things like that. And boy, if I probably had my way, I'd be sitting down watching every single Star Trek movie and episode that's on and whatnot. Okay? But I can't put Star Trek before God. Okay? Whatever those, whatever those hobbies are, those things you'd like to do. The time that you're spending watching TV or the time that you're spent playing video games or the time that you watch piddling, piddling around the house or working on your car. Think about taking some of that time away. The sacrifice. 
I want to sacrifice my TV time, sacrifice my game time, sacrifice my time working on my car. I'm going to take that time and spend it with God. Okay? Yes, still, you don't mind coming to God and complaining. God, I don't have a job. I don't have enough money. I don't have a car. I don't have a house. You got no problem in, in complaining to Him. Alright? Yes, still, you can't go back and spend time with Him. And even that's for your benefit. You really become thirsty for God, you'd be surprised how things in your life will change. I'm telling you, that's all I can say to you. You know? You're reading the Word of God, you're reading your Bible, and something there is not quite clear, clear to you. You know? Pick up the, you know, <clears throat> I'm not lifting up the Amplified. I read King James myself, but sometimes I'll go to the Amplified Bible and read that same scripture in, a, in another Bible. This way, I, I'm thirsty, so I want to know, and I'm praying, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what it is that you really mean by these passages, by these scriptures. So being thirsty for God. The Lord knows when there's some gadget you want to buy, or the red shoes I'm always talking about you ladies looking for. You certainly do the research there. You go to the internet, you go to you go to you go to the internet, you go to the internet, and you you know you're looking at looking at Nordstrom, J.C. Penney, Macy's. I mean, you go to all of this all of the, the stores and stuff. Maybe you start in Amazon. I don't know, but you do your research, okay? But when it comes down to the things of God, we can't can't do that. But God has the answers for the real meaningful things. So what if you don't get those shoes? So what if you don't get that video game? So what if I don't get that, that pad I'm looking for? So what if I don't? So what if I don't? But i tell you one thing, the things of life, when you're in that valley, you're certainly not saying, well, so what if I don't get the answer to that problem? Not at all. But as God said, you bring no offerings to me. You bring no sweet candy to me. You bring no sacrifices to me. But you burden me with your sins. You burden me with your transgressions. Okay? You know? And, 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 and the lack of faith, lack of faith, you know, lack of faith is a very, very serious thing. It was to say doubt or faith, you know, is akin to witchcraft. So you're messing in a dangerous area, especially when you are really, really praying and hoping for God to do something for you. Amen? So don't stay in that valley. There's no reason that you have to stay there. Will you have trials and tribulations? Yes, the word of God says that you will. But it does not mean that you have to just fold up like a cheap suit and just not be able to survive and to get out of that. God's will is for you to get out of it, okay? And then when you get out of that valley, the last thing you do is you look back and you say, well, how did I wind up down there in the first place? Sometimes we're just thrust into a valley because of circumstances and things that just happen in life. Sometimes, sometimes we wind up in a valley because of our actions or our lack of actions. The things that we're not doing or the things that we should be doing and are not. You wind up throwing yourself down into that valley. But this is where you need to be close enough to God so God that can show you exactly that if you did trip and stumble and make a mistake that resulted in your being in this valley... <clears throat> Lord, what can I do to get out of it? And so that you don't repeat the same thing over and over again. Praise God. I pray that this message was a, a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.